Hello, and welcome to 8 Minutes to Ageless, the podcast committed to teaching you the minimalistic approach to becoming bold and not old. On this 20-minute weekly podcast, you will learn how to care for your body and mind while spending the bare minimum amount of time to be successful. I know that life is full, so full that we tend to put our own needs on the back burner and in some cases are simply too confused to figure out what to do, so we do nothing. This podcast is designed to help you leave regrets behind and start caring for yourself, no matter your age, so you can grow older and like it, and I might say even love it. My name is Dr. Kelly Pearson, and I am the host of this podcast. I'm a practicing chiropractic physician and author of Eight Minutes to Ageless. Over the past 40 years, my patients have taught me so much about what not to do that I finally just had to get this book written and podcast started. But before we begin, I want to thank all of you who have read my book and keep sending me inspiring comments that you're getting your life back. That makes all the difference and makes me smile. Hi, this is Kelly back with you. And I wish you a very good day or afternoon or evening. And um, today I'm going to tie in some things we've talked about months ago, but with a fresh look. I just got back from Los Angeles studying with uh, a wonderful colleague who's got a lot of his training from some tremendous people in the Czech Republic. And it was a really good review of, of what I knew before and some of which I had placed on a shelf of I'll use it later. And of course, part of learning is to say, no, no, that needs to come down now and start integrating it. There's always so much to learn in any um, 12, 14 hour conference, so you can't in integrate it all. And sometimes some of the, the pearls get put aside, just like all of our teaching and all of our learning that we go through. But let, let me first make a, a quick distinction um, around the East versus the West, if you will, and, and how it is that there's so many amazing manual therapists out of the Czech Republic and, and just that, that part of the world as compared to North America, let's say. So years and years ago, we uh, made a decision at, at a national level almost because the American Medical Association was predominant to move towards becoming excellent at surgery and excellent at imaging and excellent in pharmacopoeia. And we did that. And so we have some amazing abilities to look at pathologies and cut things in or out or add things uh, surgically to stabilize. But on the other side of the world, when, when push came to shove, they didn't have the the infrastructure at all times to spend money on those high-tech approaches and actually settle down into doing very low-tech approaches and learn to touch, feel, examine the body in the most intricate way that they were able to identify pathologies without imaging. They were able to move people through pathological conditions that might've readily been treated by surgery in our country and found ways for them to recover their function. And so it's truly exquisite to watch a practitioner, let's say from the Czech Republic, they had some amazing people there, Carl Levitt, um, Dr. Yonda, Dr. or Collage, who's actually um, um, a therapist, but they're, they're have, they have a tremendous amount of um, horizontal integration in, in those areas where, the, the maybe the surgeon or the doctor or the PT or the massage therapist, they kind of all 
operate from the same level of intelligence and capability and they respect each other at the same level to a large degree, much, much different than how we work things in, um, in the States for sure. But what I loved about the course was just the intricacies of revisiting um, breathing. And we've talked about breathing for sure in my book, we've talked about it in the past, but there were just a couple things I wanted to throw at you. Um, we do not like to look fat <laughs> in this country. And when I tell people, all right, I want you to breathe into your belly. I want your diaphragm to descend. I want it to push the apartment where your guts are living. I want you to drop that ceiling. So now your belly kind of has to push outward because the ceiling of the apartment they live in has been dropped. And they say, no, I've actually had people say, no, I, I look fat if I do that. And, and I've said, my answer is, well, not really, you either are fat or you're not fat, but breathing will not make you so. But the lack of proper breathing will make you an unhealthy person, whether you have just the right amount of adipose tissue, a little bit less than you should have, or a little bit more than you'd like to have. So um, what's fascinating about this work from the Czech Republic is that they are looking developmentally about how in the world we learn how to breathe properly anyway. And they have tied it to particular postures to uh, children at a particular age. And in fact, at the three month mark, a baby is commonly found on his or her back with his little legs. I'm gonna go with him, um, just so I don't have to say him, her all the time. His little legs bent up at 90 degrees and his knees bent 90 degrees and his hips slightly splayed outward. And he's doing a little bit of gentle kicking and you'll see that belly sticking out with breath and then sucking back in. And prior to three months, when that baby decides to reach over to the left side of his body with the right arm, he'll just collapse, he'll fall over. But after three months, when he's learned the art of creating this pressurized canister in the abdomen through proper breathing, he uh, can reach over with his right hand across his body to grab that little pink elephant. And he doesn't, he doesn't, fall to the floor or roll smash to the floor with his face hitting the left side. You know what I'm saying? He can actually stay there on his little back. And that is because he has really been able to develop the full breadth of the magic of what happens when we properly breathe. When that ab, when the diaphragm, which looks like a upside down umbrella sort of at about the bottom of our rib cage, it's pretty powerful muscle. And it's innervated by the phrenic nerve, which comes out of the upper cervical spine. Um, when you breathe and you let the abdomen do the work, um, excuse me, the diaphragm do the work, the diaphragm descends. It almost like inverts, becomes an inverted umbrella. And it pulls with it the lungs because, yay, the lungs are attached to the diaphragm. And the lungs get big and they fill with oxygen just because you decrease pressure, increase volume, and the, the air um, it, it, um, the air whooshes in because that as the volume increases, that pressure changes and the air whooshes in. That's a beautiful way to breathe because what's happening now is you're creating some turgidity, what we call a pressurized canister. And if you think about 
a thin garbage can, maybe huh, that's not a very nice word picture, but imagine something that's, that's starting from, you know, right about your, the breast level going all the way down to the bottom of the pelvis. And that all of a sudden becomes this pressurized water bag. It's not made out of tin or steel, but let's just say a pressurized water bag that creates so much stability in the spine that you can actually move your arms and legs in all kinds of ways, pushing against that canister and the back doesn't get collapsed. The back doesn't get hurt. The back doesn't get sprained, voila. And so you as a human being often sadly have given up that birthright of belly breathing because you don't wanna look uh, heavy or you don't want your stomach sticking out or you went to the military and you learned by gosh, by golly to stand straight and you're really forced to breathe into, with your um, chest muscles. And remember, you're, if you're really, really running hard down a basketball court, I'll give respect to the um, March Madness we're currently in. Um, if you really are running hard down a basketball court, you're gonna belly breathe and chest breathe. You're gonna, you're gonna maximize your ability to get air into that lung any old way you can. But in normal life, as we are just kind of cruising and sitting and moving and getting up from seated and bending over and, and grabbing a small thing off the ground and walking to the car and going to the grocery store, we should be belly breathing that entire time. That is our birthright. And so I mentioned it before that the, the piece around that is to, to re, kind of reboot your computer, to revamp your system so you can give yourself permission to do that, which is really the way you're supposed to be operating is to lay on your back and your legs will be at, uh, your hips will be at 90 degrees to your torso and your knees or your, your tibia will be 90 degrees to your femur. So basically it's what we call a 90-90 pose, 90 degrees uh, bend at the knee and 90 degrees bend at the hip. And you'll put your feet up on a chair so you can um, uh, actuate those, those angles. Your feet will be slightly flared outward. So when you look at your feet, your toes will be moved outwardly as will your knees. Now that is a lovely position for your hips. It's called centrated. You have maximum bone contact on contact and that hip joint is um, really at its most powerful place. From there, you simply put your fingers on your tummy and you breathe. I'm not going to say breathe in because people always suck their belly in. But when you breathe, think about filling that stomach with air. Well, of course, you're not ever filling your stomach with air, but you are forcing that diaphragm. Your, that diaphragm is contracting and pushing down on the top part of your abdominal cage, if you will, and it's pushing the guts, uh, the, the ceiling down towards the floor. And so everything kind of sticks out. And therefore, you're going to put your little hands over to the sides, either left and right side, and you're going to feel, does that expand as well? And so it should. Okay. Well, let me tell you about a couple cases of people with errant breathing. One guy, a guy with uh, chronic neck pain, and he didn't, you know, he used to come to the chiropractor regularly and a few adjustments, he'd be good to go. And, um, then he started gaining some weight and he went three or four or five months and uh, this neck pain started and he came back in and uh, he was just doing a horrible, horrible job of belly breathing because he had gotten kind of a little nervous about how much he had gained during COVID. And uh, there's a lot more onus of responsibility on the upper trapezius muscles, the scaling muscles and causing him some angst in the neck because they were working all the time, lifting his rib cage up. Again, not 
the right way to do it, but one way to do it. And your, your neck respiratory muscles are just not designed to be breathing 24 seven. So what happened with him was he had developed a diastasis into his abdomen, which can happen with women as they're pregnant and the, um, the rectus abdominis in the middle at the linea alba splits actually a little bit and the, um, the ability for the gut to stick out and create a little bulbous la-di-da there. As you lift your head up, you look down and go, whoa, there's a little, like a little alien trying to come out of my abdomen. That is called a diastasis recti. And there's a really great book written about it by a woman named Katie Bowman. And it's really about how to fix it. But one of the best ways to fix it is to do belly breathing and then to do some hanging from a bar and um, doing some breathing while you're hanging, getting that tissue elongated. In any event, um, he just couldn't figure out why this neck pain was really screwy for him. And when you develop the diastasis, what happens then is um, your uh, the circular 360 degree stability that you can get with belly breathing to create that pressurized canister in your abdomen, which creates that stability in your spine and takes the onus of responsibility off your neck, shoulders, legs, and hips. It's hard to it's hard to get. Not to say it's not possible, but he had developed this over the previous few months from his weight gain, and um, his neck. Oh, was taking the brunt. He was really doing a lot of chest breathing, particularly a little bit more on the side of the involved neck pain. So we've got him doing um, some proper abdominal breathing, some hanging from a bar, um, a little bit of banding around the abdomen um, as well um, when he just trying to get an awareness of what's happening um, in, in the abdomen. So that's one case study. The, the second is it's even um, more interesting in, in truth in that there's a gentleman that came in with, I'm picking on, um, on men today, but he came in with back pain and right leg pain and kind of just started insidiously without any particular trauma, but he had been in the military and um, he was a fairly fit guy, but you know, in the military, you're not really encouraged to let your belly stick out when you breathe. You're like, attention, and you are upright and you are breathing through your chest, right? So he had that proclivity for chest breathing to begin with and very little belly breathing. But when I had him lying on his back and testing that, which again, he was 90-90 with his hips and knees, what I noticed was then that um, he had zero, zero belly breathing, particularly in the front um, and sidewalls. But I shouldn't say zero. It was about 20% of what it should be. Now his leg pain is on the right. And then when I checked the lateral wall to see how the lateral walls were moving out, the left lateral wall was moving a little bit. The right was moving not at all. And all of his pain was down the right leg. And um, Pavel, Kola, Pavel Kolaj, um, the gentleman from the Czech Republic who I had studied with about 10 years ago, had made a very specific claim that he could identify the leg, the side of the leg herniation the um, disc herniation predicated on the breathing pattern. And I studied with him those many years ago and I have seen it work literally 100% of the time that the side that the sidewall is not bulging out properly during breath is the side of leg pain. And what's happening there um, in a somewhat simplified description is as the person is breathing 
into their ab abdomen. I mean, as that diaphragm is coming down, you're creating that pressure. If you don't have um, a good capability to elicit pressure on, let's say, the right side, um, what happens is the muscles in the back of the spine that are pushing from back to front, they actually are not now given the perfect uh, equal and opposite pressure from inside the abdomen as the pressure increases. So that instead of a stable spine, the muscles in the back are pushing a little bit harder from front to back on that right side and the abdominal breathing is a little less deficient. That pressurized canister is not being built because the diaphragm is not coming down on that side. And now all of a sudden you have an asymmetry that the pressure in the back muscles is greater than the pressure of the abdominal muscles, and that will irritate a disc on that same side. So interest that gentleman um, did extremely well with learning how to belly breathe. And in large part, it's easy peasy lemon squeezy in that you just have to overcome your funky breathing pattern that you developed as a human being. Um, you know, moving with that proclivity for chest breathing and not wanting our belly to stick out. And the, it goes like this. If you, if you do 10 minutes of that belly breathing every day, every day, every day for two weeks, you will likely have um, adopted a change at the neurologic level. And then you can start playing with breathing when you're sitting, when you're standing, when you're walking, when you're talking. But if you try to introduce the intent of belly breathing before you've rebooted your computer, you know, it sort of gets frustrating. <clears throat> so my point there um, is if you do, well, I'm not gonna say if you do have pain, we all have pain, we all have asymmetry and we all have less than perfect function. So try that breathing protocol. It is in my book under the, the breathing chapter and it's just exceedingly comfortable and relaxing and mitigates anxiety because you're going from a sympathetic bias to a parasympathetic bias. You're just a little less uptight and you will have less pain in your neck as well as your low back. All right, so um, I hope that was helpful. I'm, I really love going to LA and being in that class and being reminded of the power of the most simple thing we have available to us, but yet rarely do we talk about it properly. So um, just as a reminder, if any of you are suffering from chronic neck or su suffering from low back pain, you can go to my website, pearsonweary.com and go to the classes. And I have a really great six week class on chronic neck and one on chronic back pain. It's only $49, but it's a half hour class every week. You learn two steps out of the 10. And then the next week you take another short 30 minute class. And this is all timed on your own online. But I, I promise you the curriculum is really worth your effort. And the beautiful part about it is that eight, um, nine out of the 10 steps are all things you can do, not things you have to rely on others to do. Alrighty then, well, you guys have a fabulous day and look forward to next week. In keeping with my minimalistic approach to life, I keep this podcast short and only add the most critical points, not adding fluff. So for today, we are done, but I hope you will do a few minutes of the good stuff we talked about. If you have not picked up the book, you can get it on Amazon. The website, 8minutestoageless.org, will have the show notes and any videos that I mentioned on this podcast. 
I thank you for spending your precious 20 minutes with me. And as always, you can reach out and contact me via the website. Remember, one day at a time, you are getting bolder and not older. I look forward to seeing you next week.